Let's pray together. Lord, what we've been declaring together, we want not just to be something we've read on a screen, but something that is deep in our heart and our soul, that there is no one greater than you. And Lord, you are so worthy of our, of our praise today. And we thank you that we have this chance to do this, to sing of your goodness and to sing of your greatness. And Lord, I ask you today as we continue to work our way through some scriptures this morning that you will help us to know you better. And Lord, what we know, we ask, would have such impact on our life that it would take us to a place where this week we would live differently because of our understanding, our awareness, that this would be the catalyst to the week that lies ahead being one that we live in great connection to you with. Lord, we love you. Speak to us now, we pray. It's in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for being here today. You know, it was in the late 70s, early 80s where guys that do my job in an effort to try and simplify and help those that had made a decision to accept Christ to kind of figure out how it would look to have a growing relationship with the Lord kind of coined this phrase that most of us have become familiar with called a quiet time. You've heard of this, where you would spend a few minutes every day reading the Bible and you would spend some time in prayer. Uh, You would get connected with a church and you would uh, have community with other people that that are uh, that are of uh, have faith in their life too, and just kind of grow in your expression, your understanding, and and uh, and and your understanding of who God is. And we've we've heard that for years, and we know the importance of that. And and in no way, shape, or form are we trying to in any way belittle that because those are all very very important things. But as is common, anytime you oversimplify something, there is something lost in the bigger picture. And so that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks to, together, where we've been looking at these, what we've, what we've described as pathways to help us know and experience God in, in, in different and in creative, in ways that maybe would shake it up a little bit for us, because it's easy. You know, I've, I've told you before, I've heard people say this, you know, Doug, I've been following Jesus a long time, right? And it's kind of getting a little boring. I'm like, what? God is not boring, you are boring, Shake it up a little bit. Let's, let's learn about the bigness and the greatness and the significance of who God is. And so we've been looking at these pathways. And this idea uh, c- comes from the word of God. But a gentleman named Gary Thomas wrote this amazing book called Sacred Pathways, which I would encourage you <clears throat> to read. And his whole notion, put very simply, is that these pathways uh, are, are ways that we relate to God and how we draw near to him, like doors that open into a room where we can feel uh, close to God and know God in a different kind of way. And so for the last four weeks and for this week and next, we're talking about these pathways. And so far, we've looked at the caregiver what it looks like when we care for the people around us and what happens inside of us as we reach out and and make a difference in the lives around us, living not just for yourself, but for others as well. And then in week two, we talked about the naturalist and how important it is for us to get outside and to know that, that our, the creation that you and I live in is a reflection of the creator to take your Bible and go read outside. And I shared with you that I feel like this book is meant to be read outside. And then we talked about the intellectual pathway, and it's important for us to not just kind of meander through things of faith, checking boxes, went to church, but that we would understand, that we would have an intellectual understanding of who God is, what the Bible says, to understand theological truth, but not just about a head understanding, but that the things we learn would make their way into our heart and change the way that we live. 
change the way that we think. And then last week, my dear friend, Father Matt came. He's an Episcopalian priest. And if you missed it, you missed a great weekend where, where Father Matt came from Florida and walked us through some of the traditions, the traditionalist pathway, the traditions of the faith that have been around for thousands of years. And we realize that we're all created uniquely and you likely will connect with one of these pathways more than the other. But what I've been trying to challenge you to do and what our team is challenging you to do is to, to experiment a little bit, to not get cut, caught in a rut in your walk with the Lord, but shake it up a little bit and experience and know him in all of these different ways. And so we want to experience the fullness and more of God. And, and that's what this series has been about, to live worthy of the gospel. And so this week, we're talking about the enthusiast pathway. And I like this. Enthusiasts or worshipers enjoy the celebratory form of worship. And that can look lots of different ways. Not just the way we lead worship. It can be all kinds of different ways. And, and then as well, there are many fo more forms of kind of this supernatural expressions of, of our faith. And people with this spiritual temperament, they like to kind of let go and experience God with the excitement and the awe that is definitely part of this God that we serve. Scriptures are full of amazing examples of people of faith whose experience in scripture talk about these things that we're talking about today. So mystery and celebration and supernatural events of God just on the move. And to understand this enthusiast temperament, there's two words that I really want to focus in on today. And these two words are mystery and celebration. Mystery and celebration, these two words help us understand what touches the souls of those that are following Christ that have this kind of hard wiring as an enthusiast, but it also should touch all of our hearts, all of our souls. So I want to first look at the mystery of faith. And um, I just know uh, in my experience, in my journey with the Lord and many others that have talked with me, and I'm sure there's been moments where you've felt this too, where it's almost as though God has kind of like reached out and kind of grabbed you by the shoulders and he's like, did you see it? Did you see what I just did for you? I just want you to know I love you. And I orchestrated that so that you would know that I am real and that I care about you. Have you had those moments? I've had lots of them over the years and one of my favorites I'll share with you if you've been a friend of ours around here for a while, you maybe have heard this before, but when we first started the church, and in order for me to tell you this story, I have to share something with you that I'm a little bit embarrassed about, so bear with me. When we were first leaving the church in Fort Collins to head to Castle Rock, it was just a very challenging time. There's a lot of things that were going on in our lives, and <clears throat> as a result, and I would also be very honest with you and tell you some of this was very much our fault in the way that we were handling some things financially, and some of it also was just the reality of the circumstances around us. And, what is, and some of you will understand this because you're kind of maybe living through some version of this in your life right now too. There's lots of different nuances that can make life very difficult, but we had racked up some credit card debt. And the timing of that was really bad because we were coming here and I, I didn't have a paycheck and we were coming to get the church started here. So it was a very, very difficult season for us. And I was traveling like crazy trying to share the vision of Plum Creek and get churches and pastors and people to be part of this vision for what we have and experience here today. So we were, I was traveling a lot, raising money and trying to get 
uh, this this uh, ministry started here. And so I was speaking in <clears throat> in um, Lake Zurich, Illinois, at a theater church. A friend of mine was the pastor there, and he let me come and share the vision. And he had been a church planter, so he he wanted me to share the vision with his church and have his church be uh, participating in what we were doing. And so I got done speaking on Sunday morning, and they had an event on Sunday night. And I just I told my friend, the pastor there, that I would go with to the event. I didn't have any responsibilities, but I would just go and hang out with them. And while we were at the event, this gentleman came up to me, and uh, he said, hey, Doug. I was like, yeah. He's like, I just want to introduce myself. And so he told me his name, and I shook his hand, and he said, I just wanted you to know that when you were speaking this morning, the Lord spoke to me. And I was like, well, good. That's awesome. <laughs> like, that's what this is all about. You know, that's great. He's like, no, no, no. The Lord spoke to me about you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, he said, the Lord, the Lord shared with me today when you were teaching that you have credit card debt. I was like, well, who is this guy? You know, like, I'm not telling anybody about this. I'm embarrassed about this, right? Like, I mean, how does this guy know? He said, yeah, the Lord told me a $16,000. And I was like, what? Who are you? If he'd have told me that was an angel right then, I'd have been like, yeah, I know. He's scary. He's scary, right? And so this guy said, you know, as you were speaking, the Lord told me that, and he told me that I'm supposed to pay your credit card debt off. I was like, what is going on? He said, so here's the way this is going to work. I want you to put your credit card bills in an envelope, and I want you to send them to this address, and I'll pay them off. And he said, don't ever let this happen again. I'm like, yes, sir. And I'm telling you, there's no way this guy would have known. We weren't talking to people about this. You don't talk to people about this, right? But God knew. And you might tell me the stars aligned for Dougie that day, and I'm going to tell you you're wrong. I'm going to tell you God knew what was going on, and he knew what needed to happen in order to pave a way for us to come to Castle Rock. You might say that that was just some kind of good luck. I'm going to tell you I choose to give credit to my mysterious God that works in mysterious ways. It's awesome. It's awesome. So our main thought for this weekend is this. We need to live aware of the wonder of God. We need to live aware of the wonder of God. And the scriptures are full of examples of this mystery. One example is dreams. If you read through scripture, you'll see that God speaks to his people through dreams. And now, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to misunderstand this, whether you're here or you're worshiping online. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that all dreams are from God, right? Your mind is crazy. Okay? God is not crazy, right? <clears throat> and uh, we need to ask God to speak to us, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But there's lots of stories in Scripture where God encounters his people in, in very mystical ways. Genesis 28 is one of my favorite. Jacob, if you know his story, is living on the run. He's fearful for his life. Uh, there's lots of family tension, um, and uh, he encounters God directly. You see, he was lonely. He was fearful, he was uncertain about his future, and he was sleeping out in the middle of a field, and God showed up in this very mysterious and wonderful way and spoke to him, and this changed his life forever. It's an amazing story. Genesis 28, you need to go back and read it. And as a result of this time with the Lord, he changed, and he had this new assurance of the presence of God, this new awareness of God's protection in his life, and it brought him to a place of complete different understanding of purpose and meaning in his life. This is an amazing dream. That's just powerful. Lots of examples of this all throughout Scripture where people experience and interpret dreams, where God shows up in visions or in a gentle whisper. As a matter of fact, the last book in our Bible, Revelation, is from a revelation 
that John had when, when he was meeting with the Lord. It's just awesome. Now, there's mystery to our journey of faith, and we don't talk about that enough. There's mystery to this, and, and we need to live aware of the wonder of God. And maybe sometimes it's when you're using a gift or a talent that God has given you, and then like somehow you step it up a notch, and you're like, whoa, I'm really not that good. God must be at work today. Or maybe you're having a conversation with a friend or someone you know and they're sharing with you something that's going on in their life and all of a sudden something just like bubbles out of your mouth and you're like, where did that come from? And they're like, wow, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And you're like, wow, that's awesome. This is the kind of stuff that God does. Or maybe it's uh, when a prayer is miraculously answered in, in a way that coincidence is impossible. It's God. Or maybe you're seeking God's direction and he supernaturally opens a door or closes a door and you just know, listen, it's unmistakable. God is on the move. And there's something so fun about that. Or perhaps it's that there's a name of a family member, a friend, a neighbor, coworker that comes to mind and you pray for them and then you reach out and you just say, hey, no need to hit me back. Just wanted you to know I care about you. The Lord put you on my mind today and I prayed for you. Inevitably, what happens? Like, how did you know I needed that today? That's just the way God works. And there's no getting around the fact that we're following Jesus has a mysterious side. We worship and serve a supernatural God. And that means that he's going to work in supernatural ways. In a sense, every Christian is going to bear some marks of being an enthusiast when you see these things, experience these things, and know these things about who God is. And so this week, what I want you to do is to live aware of the wonder of God. He's at work. Let him be at work in and through your life. I can remember when I was a little guy, I grew up in a conservative Baptist church. Anybody else grow up in one of those? Lots of things that are part of that environment, right? But on Sunday night, one of the things that would happen is with pretty regular occurrence, there would be a missionary that would come and they would share their stories of what God's doing on the mission field. And of course, we know they're raising resources for that, but they would share of God how these mysterious, fun ways, I just remember being mesmerized as a kid, listening to them share their stories of the way that God provided and the way God protected and the way God opened doors and the way that God moved to, to see the message of the gospel moving forward. And I can remember just as a little guy at church thinking, I want to have a life like that. I want to know that kind of God that these people are talking about. Can I tell you something that I've been praying? I want you to have a life like that. I want you to see the mysterious and wonderful ways that God is on the move. Do you know what I want? I want for us to know that. As we see God at work here at Plum Creek doing things that blow our minds, that we're all just very aware, we're not that good. Oh, but God is. You see, that's fun. That's an exciting way to live. And I, I would venture to guess there's a little bit of that in every single one of us to this new kind of idea that we this week will live aware of the wonder of God. So what can we do to make this happen? I wanna share with you some things that come directly from the word of God that I think you can do in your life that will help you to experience faith's mystery. And we need to do this because life gets very, very busy. And it's easy for life's schedule, so to speak, to to kind of push and crowd God out of the way. And so I want to share with you a couple of things that will help you to experience faith's mystery. And uh, the first one is this. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Stay close to Jesus. 
Now listen, we all know that, likely you've heard that before, but if you're here, you also recognize and realize easier said than done. That has to be a priority in your life. You have to make space and room for that. I want you to read with me this verse from James chapter four, verse eight. It's a challenge that comes with a promise and it feels like it was written for COVID. You ready? James 4, eight, come close to God and God will come close to you. So there's the challenge and there's the promise. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Now here's the COVID part. Wash your hands, <laughs> right? What's James talking about here? You know, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? We'll get to that in a minute. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and this world. Now, we realize and recognize probably greater than any time in the history of our lives the importance of washing our hands, right? But here's, here's what I want. I thought of this this morning when I was going over my notes. I want you... Every single time this week you see a wash your hands sign, to do it, let's do it, but then the next thing I want you to do is to ask the Lord to wash your heart too. Because you see, it's important for us to pay attention to those areas that we have the propensity to slip up in and where sin can creep its way into our heart. And we want to draw near to God and he's going to draw near to us. We need to have pure hearts before him. So every time you sanitize sanitize this too and just say, God, speak to me. If there's something that's in the way of you and me, will you please help me to know it? We can never underestimate the importance of keeping our hearts pure. And this is about a focus for everyday living for Jesus. It's about fighting the currents of our culture that just drag us away from him. And it's about a posture of our hearts. And listen, this is a daily battle, and that's what this whole series has been about. Let's shake it up a little bit. Let's get creative in our relationship with the Lord. Don't get lackadaisical about this. Do something different this week to have a connection with your God. That's for you today. I double dog challenge you. Do something this week different than you've ever done to connect with the Lord. Get creative. Ask him to give you creativity so that you can experience him in a different kind of way. So to experience faith's mystery, you need to stay close to God. Now, I don't ever want you to underestimate the, mo- the importance of this next one, number two, and that is to pray, to pray. Is there anything more mysterious that we do than to pray? Think about it for a second. Prayer is you and I communicating to a being we can't see who yet says that he knows everything, past, present, and future. And then we ask him to intervene and move to alter circumstances in ways that likely we're not going to see all the details of, and we trust him to do so. That's mysterious, guys. But it's also fun when we see God answering our prayers. And so I want to challenge you to pray bold prayers. Pray bold prayers over yourself and over the lives of those that you are in relationship with. Will you please pray bold prayers over this church that God would move in powerful ways, that the message of the gospel would go forward, that this valley would be changed because we're living on mission together. Pray like Paul did in Ephesians chapter one. Listen to this challenge. Listen to his prayer. I ask, he says, ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory. This is what he asked. Listen to this bold prayer. To make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally, that your eyes 
focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is that he's calling you to do, to grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life that he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Whoo, there's a prayer. You want to pray a bold prayer? You pray that prayer. Or how about remember what he said later in chapter 6 of Ephesians? Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert. Look, here it is. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Praying through your day. Listen, we talk about it a lot around here. And I want to show you why this is so important. I know with all of my heart that God is aware of what's going on in each other's lives. And I know this week, if you will pay attention, God's going to drop somebody into your mind. And I want you to take action on that. I want you to pray for them, and I want you to reach out to them again. You don't need to respond back. I care about you. The Lord put you on my mind today, and I, and I prayed for you today. This is why that's so important. Think about this. If each of us decided to do that four times this week when the Lord put someone on our mind... Do you know what would happen? 12,000 people would be encouraged. Think about that for a second. Do you know what that means? In one month, you and I together would be able to encourage 48,000 people. That's the move of God that I'm talking about. You do the math like I do the math, and you know what that means? A half a million people would be encouraged in one year. Don't be the weak link. Let's do this together. Think about what could happen. Don't be nervous about it. Just put yourself out there. Listen, what are they going to say if you tell them God put you like, oh, no, he didn't. Like they're not, well, who cares? You just prayed for him anyway, right? Let's let God be at work. There's such power in this. So experiencing faith's mystery, we stay close to Jesus. We keep our heart right. We pray and then listen, we live expectantly. Do you wake up in the morning thinking, God's going to do something today, and I hope I get to be part of it? Is that the way you think? Because God is on the move. He is at work. Listen to what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews eleven six, And it is impossible to please God, look at this, without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. We need to expect that God is going to do and wants to do amazing things in and through our lives. Ask God to speak to you. And when he does, listen, do what he tells you to do. Ask him to speak. Living expectant, you see, needs to become a way of life. There's mystery in this. So let me give you a couple of practical examples. I think you need to wake up in the morning, and the first thing you need to pray is this. Lord, you're the steward of my life. I thank you for my breath today, but I give you my life. You steward my life. You do what you want today. I will do my best to say yes when you lead. When you prompt me, I will go. When you ask me to say something, I will say it. Help me see, look, look, just help me see what you see in the lives around me. Pray that prayer and look in people's eyes. Ask God to help you see what he sees. And then live ready. Be willing. Ask God to use you. Ask him to speak to you. Listen to his voice and be ready to take action. Pay attention We've talked about it before. You have whatever amount, denomination it is, you have an agreement with God. If it's a $20 bill or a $100 bill, doesn't matter. And you just tell God, that's not mine to spend. That's yours to spend. You tell me when and where. And I will bless someone when you tell me to. 
but we live ready. And then we talked a little bit earlier about God speaking to us at night. And I, I would just encourage you, Beth and I have begun to pray this before we go to bed. Lord, speak to us while we're sleeping. Do you know how efficient that is? That's just awesome. God, you speak to me? Well, if he's speaking to me while I'm sleeping, we about to get some stuff done around here, right? So I read this psalm a few years ago, and it really challenged me, and it changed me. Psalm 16, 7. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. So tonight, before you go to bed, will you pray that prayer? Lord, I want to be open and ready to hear what you have to say. I, I, Lord, I give, please speak to me tonight. Speak to me while I sleep. And I've told you this before. Then you got to be ready, right? you got to be ready. Because that first thought is a special moment, that first thought in the morning. It's special. You know why it's special? Because you hadn't jacked it up yet. <laughs> so listen to what he says. Pay very close attention to that first thought that comes through your mind in the morning. And then you ask them how you take action on that thought. What is it that I should do? How do, I, how do I move forward with that? And then just watch what happens when you do this. God wants to speak. Ask for him to speak to you. Expect for him to speak to you. Listen well. Take action and have fun. Listen, the creator of the universe loves you. And he wants to be in communication with you. So live aware of the wonder of God. And by cooperating with him, listen, we have the opportunity every day to be used by him in supernatural ways and to be part of what he's doing. So mystery and celebration, mystery and celebration. Two words that explain the enthusiast pathway. The second one is the celebration. And the word enthusiasm comes from two words together. One is God and one is within. Think about that for a second. God within. If there's anything that should cause some enthusiasm in your life and mine, it's this. The creator of the universe and me, we got a thing going. That's awesome. If that doesn't shake you up a little bit, there's something wrong with you. The creator of the universe in you, enthusiasm, this literally means God within us. This should fire us up to develop a lifestyle of enthusiasm. And we oftentimes don't think of celebration as an integral part of our relationship with God. There's feasts and celebrations all throughout scripture in the Old Testament. We hear about Passover. We hear about Pentecost. We, we hear about the Feast of Tabernacles. And those are programmed regular times where the church would come together to celebrate. So let me just double dog chariot challenge you again this Wednesday. We're going to have a worship night together. We haven't done it in a year and a half. Come, let's celebrate the goodness of our God. Listen, he's a good God. Come at five and help our kids. And when you eat that meal, you pray that God will stop this virus so we can send our kids out all over the world to make a difference for Jesus. And then we worship together. Now listen, there's also great examples of individual spontaneous celebration throughout Scripture. And King David, he's a great example. This guy, this was his pathway. And if you read the Psalms, you'll see, man, this dude, he knew how to pay close attention to God in the move, on the move. And he wanted his life to be an expression of praise to him. So I'm going to read to you the very last Psalm in the book of Psalms. It's Psalm 150. Listen to what David said. These words are amazing. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. 
Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with a blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. And then he, he clarifies it even more. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen. When we get to our, we're going to sing two more songs. We get to the second, the last one. I want your eyes to be right back here. And you watch Aaron pounding on some cymbals. <laughs> It'll change your life. Boy knows how to drum. There's something about this. This act of celebration and worship reminds us that we have so much to be thankful for. Now, I, I'm going to walk on some, some very tender ground for a minute. I want to give you this thought because I know it's nuanced with lots of complications and there's lots of things that can produce these kinds of emotions in our life. And we need to get help for these things. But if you're struggling with anxiety or fear or depression, if you're feeling overwhelmed, feeling down, listen, can I beg you, please do this. Put worship music at play everywhere. Put it in your home. Put it in your car. Put it on your headphones at work. Do everything you can to fill your heart with celebration. So I shared with you before that I grew up in a conservative Baptist church, and that there's lots of implications to, to growing up in that environment. And one of those uh, implications was that um, my parents made this decision that... Um, that we couldn't go to the school dances. Do you know what happens when you don't go to the school dances? There's a very significant consequence to this. You ready? You can't dance. <laughs> and this is a hard thing to figure out later in life. And so I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm just not a very good dancer. I just don't feel comfortable out there. Do you, ever, do you guys have that feeling? Some of you probably are with me. Like you get out there and you're like, I think everyone in this room is watching me right now. And I, I really stink at this. And then the Lord threw me this curveball. It was just really tough for me for quite some time. Uh, he provided this beautiful young lady right here to be my wife. And she loves to dance. <laughs> In the bulk of our marriage life, she's been dragging me to the dance floor begrudgingly. And, you know, I should have realized that mom was right because she said, you know, you can't dance because you know what that leads to. Yeah, you're going to have sex if you dance. I should have been on the dance floor with her, right? But I just wasn't a dancer. It's just not my thing. And years ago, I just really felt challenged about that. I was like, Beth loves to dance. I'm going to dance. I don't care what I look. I don't care what you think about me. I'm going to dance. If she wants to dance, we're going to dance. And I'm, I'm horrible at it. It's fine. And, uh, and then something happened to me a couple of weeks ago. And it impacted me pretty, pretty significantly. And I'm not going to dance anymore. I'm not going to do it. It's too much pressure. Instead, I'm going to balter. Mm -hmm. I know. So Pastor Jonathan and I were in Knoxville visiting my mentor, and we went to this restaurant, this little microbrewery called Balter. And uh, after the lady dropped our food off, she turned to walk away, and on the back of her shirt was the definition of Balter. Are you ready? To dance artlessly, without particular grace or skill, <laughs> but with enjoyment. That's it. That's it. So here's the deal. Pressure's off. If you see me on the dance floor, I'm not dancing. I'm boltering. And listen, world class, I'll have you know, I can bolter with the best of them. 
You say, Doug, why are you saying that? Let me read to you a Balter verse. When it comes to the expression of worship and celebration, listen, I know we all have different personalities, but we have to allow what's in us to come out of us. Listen right here. It says this in Psalm 101, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Listen, I don't expect you to sing like these people up here, but I expect you because God says to, that we'll make a joyful noise. You don't want me with a microphone when we sing. But listen, it was Jesus that said, if the people don't worship, the rocks will cry out. Don't you dare let a rock do your job. Listen, we live with this excitement of celebration, a sense of awe of the mystery of God because he is good. And we have to talk about it. We have to sing about it. Listen to me. This is not about baltering on a dance floor. I want you to balter in your relationship with God. It's not about when we come and sing here or when you sing at home. Listen, it's about having a song in your heart. It's about thinking and living differently because our God is so good. Stand to your feet. It's in Romans chapter 12, verse one. Listen to this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, Father, let it fall fresh on us. His mercy is incredible. And when we stay heart and soul connected to his mercy that we do not deserve, but he so freely gives, something happens. We then offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Oh, friends, live worthy of the gospel. He's changed you. Eternity is our destination. Man, we better get excited about that. So this week, I want you to live aware. And I want you to see the wonder of God at work in your life. Give him your life. Give him a chance to use you in a powerful way. And worship him every single moment you can. It's a game changer. Father, well, as a church, we've heard your challenge. And uh, we need to shake it up a little bit. It's time to bolter. We need to quit worrying about what everybody else thinks around us in this world. When they see us enthusiastic or fired up about our Jesus, Lord, we want to, we want to celebrate the goodness of our God. We want to see your mystery at work in, in our lives. So we help us to live aware of that this week. And now as we sing, as we watch Aaron on the drums, let us be reminded of your free flowing mercy that has changed us not just for today but for eternity we celebrate you God because you are so so good let's worship together